0: Good morning, Mr. O'Day. How are you guys? Good morning. <laughs> well, last night uh, Sydney, Sydney and I grilled out last night. So, uh, who 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 among you are are, are my, my charcoal fans? Who who takes the time to to get the charcoals out, uh, arrange them in that nice little little pile, uh, maybe lighter fluid if needed. If you don't have the the Kingsford. Although I find those don't always, after they've been sitting in the garage for a while, they don't always uh, light right up. So I like to use a little, uh, a little lighter fluid, a little help there. So who are my gas? Who are my gas people? A few. Okay. Just like to go out. don't have to take that time to prepare. You're able to just turn it on. Um, as I was thinking about uh, and, and looking into the scripture about prayer, it's a lot like trying to light those coals sometimes, at least for me. I struggle with it. I would say at best, at best, I'm a mediocre uh, prayer. Uh, As I was lighting the coals, took several matches to try to get it going. I actually had to go back in and and get more lighter fluid and put it on one little coal and kind of be very deliberate about getting that match right next to that coal. But but once it started, it spread amongst all the coals. It provided warmth. And it was self-sufficient. After we got done uh, grilling out, we went to a movie. I came back and uh, (laughs) our homeowners association has said we can't grill within 10 feet of our our house. So I had to grill out a ways from our house. So I was bringing it back in and this was three, four hours after I had had grilled and it was still warm. So in my prayer life, it seems like so often I need something to get me going. Um, and it's tough sometimes to get, get, get into that, that position of prayer. Uh, some of you in your prayer life may be at other points. You may be the gas girl type of people that can flip the switch, fire it right up. Um, so as we approach uh, this word and as Jesus is teaching us how to pray, I'm humbled because I need to grow in my prayer life. And I think that what we're going to be talking about today can, can help us grow, can give us a deep passion for prayer. And as a church, as we learn how to pray, just like the example of, of starting the coals, warming them up, once that starts, I think it can provide heat, it can provide life for our church and warmth that goes into the future <laughs> and that gives us life. So, as we get into, into the, the scripture for today, Jesus has been has been talking about kingdom living. He's been, in this Sermon on the Mount, uh, taking current teachings about murder. uh, Saying, you've heard it said you shall not murder, but I say, if you have anger in your heart for your brother, you've done the same. He talks about adultery, saying, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you hold lust in your heart for somebody else, you have done the same. So we see him taking current teachings and turning them inside out. And so it is with the concept of of our prayer life. He gives the example of the Pharisees who would go out in public so that they could be seen praying and get praise from others. He talks about the Gentiles who speak long, wordy prayers as if the more words they say, the more blessings or response uh, that God will have. But Jesus is bringing about a new way to pray. Our Father in Heaven. So much different than the Pharisees and the Gentiles who were self-centered in their prayers. The the prayer that Jesus teaches us to, to pray starts with our Father, centered on Him. The verses that we're talking about today now change the tone slightly of what our prayer request should be. He says, give us this day our daily bread. So it goes from honoring who our Father is and asking that His will be done on earth to asking for provision, for God to provide. And as we approach Him as our Father, He loves to hear His children ask. So that should be appropriate in our prayer life. His first... Our first request, give us this day, our daily bread. Now this concept of daily bread would have been common to the, to the people that heard Jesus talk about the daily bread that we should ask our Father for it. Uh, most commonly, the way wages were paid were you would go to work in the, for a day, you would get paid at the end of that day, you would purchase what you needed for the coming day. So this would have been very common different from mostly how we get paid today. So there was definitely that need to trust one day at a time that there would be provision. Also, this would have uh, brought the hearer's mind to a time uh, when God provided daily bread. So as we go back to the history of the Israelites, when they left Egypt, God had brought them through the Red Sea. Uh, He had parted it. They had come through. He had delivered them. And in, in many unique ways, God provided daily for them. He provided water. He provided meat in the evening. He provided a bread from heaven, a daily bread that they were to trust in. And so as we, as we look into how God provided daily in that image of the Israelites in the wilderness, uh, I want to bring your minds back to Exodus 16:17 through 18. If you want, please turn. To that verse, So this is, uh, as the Israelites, uh, again, have, have, have been getting their daily provision from, from God, this is how he had provided for them. Exodus 16, 17 through 18. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more and some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. So there's some things that we can gather about how God provided for them. First of all, he always provided enough. Enough for that day. And those who needed more had more. Those who needed little had smaller families, received yet what they needed. So this is a testimony to the fact that God can provide enough for us. We also look at this daily prayer of give us our daily bread as we receive something. We don't create it ourselves. So this way that God provided was supposed to point back to him and the fact that he is the one that provided it. It was also to act as a testimony to the Israelites in the future. So one of the things that God commanded them about this daily bread is that they they keep a portion of it as a future testimony to the Israelites in the future, that they would be able to look back on this time and see that God provided for them. So the question as we look about daily provision that we need to ask ourselves is, what is our view of God's daily provision in our life? So how do, how do we view that concept that God always provides enough? As we look at this story, when God provided that manna for them, some of them tried to hoard it to keep it for the next day, more than they needed. And that bread molded and was of no use. We also see that God said he would provide a double portion on the sixth day so that they could rest. So, as God provided that, we see also that the Israelites on the seventh day went out to gather more. So as we pray for our daily bread, and, and this, is, this is the uh, the needs that we have. This is not the wants. So there's a lot of things that, that we see in our culture that they might be things we want. We're talking about our our daily provision. So that's, that's one of the questions that I'm struck with. Uh, my heart wanting more, more than I need for this day. And don't we often try to hoard and, and what God has given us, try to protect it as if we've somehow created it and have control over it. Which, as we get to that next point, the idea that that bread didn't come from, from them, it came from God. So how, how do we view the things that we have? Um, and not only the things we have, but the, the means with which God gives us to provide for ourselves. I think a lot of times pride and anxiety get in the way of us viewing where, where our gifts come from? Where our daily needs come from? So, think about, I, I think about myself in the way that I view where my provision comes from. I sell windows. So, when I go out and make a sale, in my head I, I picture myself, I'm the one going, driving to my appointment. I'm the one that, that makes that sale and, and then I get, I get paid and then I go and I, I purchase food or whatever I need. And I think that in somehow I, some way I have provided that on my own. So as you go about in your daily life, do you not only view uh, the actual provision as from God, but do you view the way in which you're able to provide for yourself as coming from God. God's daily provision also was to uh, provide a testimony to future generations. So for some of you who have went through difficult times where God provided and showed you that he can provide where you had to trust fully in him and God gave you a humble heart to realize that? Have you since come out of that place and said almost to God, you provided then, but I've got it from here. So do we use those times where we, we have to trust fully in God? Do we use those times as a testimony in the future when God provides greatly to realize that, it, again, it's not us that have provided it? I think this this idea of where our provision comes from is is key. Not only to how we live our life and how we respond to the things we've we've received but also to salvation. So if we somehow don't trust God to be our ultimate provider for our daily needs, if we don't realize that he is the ultimate provider of what we have, how can we trust Him for our salvation? And as we look at this prayer, give us our daily bread. It's good to ask God. It's good to recognize that God is our provider. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, that there is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we came into this world with nothing, we will leave this world with nothing. If we have food and clothing, that's enough. If we have enough for today, and there's great joy in that, if we can truly say, God, you've given me enough for today and I am not going to worry about tomorrow. I see you're all dressed, so we've got half that done. Does everybody have enough food for the rest of the day today? (laughs) Yet when I think about that, I see myself thinking about tomorrow, next week, next month, asking myself, trying to plan so that I can somehow manage and make it there. I'm acting as if I can control somehow the the gifts of my life and and create them. But they really come from God. So I think there's, as as we look to God for provision in this prayer, there's something even deeper there. As we see Jesus' ministry beginning, He's out in the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. He's very hungry. And the devil comes to tempt Him. And the devil says, if you are the Son of God, why don't you take these rocks and turn them into bread? Provide yourself something to eat. And Jesus says, Man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word of God. Hmm. So there's something more to this daily bread than just what we need physically to survive. Turn with me to John 6. John six twenty six through 27. I think this is another verse that gets to the deeper meaning of our daily bread. Jesus has just got done uh, providing bread and fish to 5,000 people out of five loaves and a few fish. And he since uh, went across to the other side of the sea and that crowd has followed him. Listen to what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. I want to read that one more time. Verse 27: "Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you." So there were people that had went and followed after Jesus, not because of the, the signs that he did that pointed to who He was, but because of the physical bread that He provided. So, as we gather today, as you go about your week, what is it that draws you to Jesus? When you come here, do you like the the music? Do you like the the friendships? I love you guys. I, I do enjoy that friendship. That's a blessing. Is that what draws you here? Um, do, do the promises of, of, of Jesus and, and God in regards to, uh, if you do X, He will give you Y. He will bless you. Does that bring you the physical or bl- other types of blessings that He can give us in, in your life? Or is it, is it something more? There's a spiritual nourishment that Jesus is talking about that we should be coming to Him for. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel and this is a beautiful picture of communion that for no other reason than Jesus and him dying on the cross being buried and rising on the third day and participating in that by believing that we can get full Nourishment, a spiritual nourishment. Jesus said, is life not more than food or clothing? So as we pray that prayer for daily bread, there's a deeper, and more spiritual understanding that we need to have that it's not just for the physical things that God gives us that we pray for, recognizing Him as the giver, but it's that we can commune with Him through Jesus. I think of the things that, that go on in our lives that, that, that try us and test us that make us wrestle with what is most important in life and are we getting fed from not the things in our life but from something deeper. So, what is, what is that thing, Kyle, that that brings you to Jesus. Katie, as you go about your day, do you find deep spiritual nourishment through Jesus? So this prayer for our daily bread is one of asking our Father to provide for us physically, but there is also a daily bread that we find in Jesus and His death on the cross that is much more important than even our physical provision. So as as we move along, Jesus continues. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And almost as if to emphasize that, he continues in verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive forgive your trespasses. And as I read this, as, you pr- as, I, as I pray that God would forgive my trespasses if I have forgiven others, if, if that is the way I am forgiven, there's no hope. Because I fail in, in forgiving others well. A common way that the world forgives is we say we will forgive you, but I can't, I can't forget it. So commonly, may, you might have been in this situation too. I have times Sydney will, will ask for forgiveness and I will say yes because it's, it's the right thing to do, right? I think we all would agree that forgiveness is a, is a good thing. But then, keep a little check mark. I'm going to remember that so that next time when I do something wrong, I can, I can kind of bring that up and say, well, you know, you did this to me. Do we, do we hold on to those debts that others have? So, so again, as we, as we look at this, if our prayer is that our debts would be forgiven as we've forgiven others, we fail. I think one teaching that Jesus gives that, that brings light to this teaching is in Matthew 18:23. So essentially this is a passage where Jesus teaches about forgiveness. Matthew 18:23 through 35 if you could turn there. Jesus says, "Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants." I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay that debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So in this parable, the servant has an immeasurable debt. The amount that he owes could not be repaid and the master realizes that, we see the servant going to the master saying, be patient, let me repay you. He is freely uh, forgiven of that debt and then goes and is, is, does not give that same mercy to that person that owes him debt. Do we recognize the greatness of our debt? or do we look at others and, and say well I'm not I'm not that bad again kind of keeping keeping score if you will essentially our prayer that God would forgive us our debts as we have also for- been forgiven is not a relationship of if i do x God will do why. But essentially, saying that a disciple's heart will be quick to forgive because he has also been forgiven by God. So do we offer that same type of forgiveness to others or do we harbor on uh, and hold on to that and not provide forgiveness? I want to read to you something from Romans. Romans 1 28 through 32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, This is us. He talks about murderers. But have we hated anyone? Haters of God. Again, back to the parable. The servant comes before the master and says, please be patient with me, I will pay my debt back. But again, that debt he owed could never be paid back. It was immeasurable. Do we sometimes say, take that same position with God? Saying, God, in some, in some way, in some fashion, I'm going to do enough good things to pay you back. Even though I know that I've, I've done a lot of bad things maybe, I can somehow pay you back. We can't. So, to offer forgiveness, the way that God is calling us to offer forgiveness, we need to remember the, the greatness of the debt that we have that can never be repaid before a God that is fully holy. We also have to remember how great our, our forgiveness is. That God forgives 100% through the death of Jesus Christ and because of that. Colossians two thirteen through 14 And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside nailing it to the cross. For those of you that have trusted in Jesus for your salvation, because on that cross your debts were fully paid for, I want to offer you hope continually that as you confess your sins to God that He is faithful and just to forgive them fully. How many times have I, have we, confessed our sins but yet we hold on to them and we say maybe God hasn't forgiven them. God does not forgive the way that we forgive and I think sometimes I view God's forgiveness in a way that we as humans forgive which is not well. So I want to give give those of you who have trusted in Jesus great hope that when you do ask for forgiveness that he has canceled that debt because of the cross. For those of you that have not put your your whole trust in the cross, I want to give you hope as well. Again, as we see this servant asking to, have his, to, to, to be given the time to pay back his debt, the master says, you cannot pay it back. There is no way And in that moment when he says your, 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 your debt is forgiven, so God says to you, because of the cross, because Jesus died and I, I, I sentenced him to death for your sins, your debt is canceled. There's hope in that. Missio Dei Church, do we seek to provide forgiveness? A forgiveness that's not of this world but is in light of the forgiveness we've received from God. So how do we practice that as a church? Is there, is there gossip that happens? Are we willing to forgive that? Are there lies told? If so, are we willing to forgive that? What if someone... Does something so extreme that you think, you know, I can't forgive you. Are our hearts too hard? This prayer to God to forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors is an encouragement to us that as we view God's forgiveness to us, we should gladly offer that to others. And not only amongst the church, the family here, but also to the outside world. As we forgive in a way that God has forgiven us and people see that, that is something different that will draw others closer to us. This is the gospel making itself known to the world. So Paul talked about how through the way we have, we have loved in the situation with the Tkarskis the that shows the gospel, so also in the way that we forgive is going to be representative of how well we've been forgiven. So, let us continue to seek forgiveness from others, but let us also continue to forgive in a way that God forgives us to show that we too have received that forgiveness. Jesus continues saying, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Does God lead us into temptation? That was a question I had when I looked at this verse. Is God a tempter? And while I think God sends trials to us to strengthen us and, and give us a hope that's not in this world. I don't think God tempts us. But the question that I think we can ask ourselves from this is who is leading us? Are we trying trying to lead ourselves? So when you are tempted, do you try to get through that temptation on your own? Guys, starting to get warm outside. Lust. That can be a temptation. But are we trying to get through that on our own? Gossip. Speaking about somebody else. Is there, are there conversations where others are being talked bad about that we're tempted to, to join in? The flesh cannot produce a righteousness on its own. So, as we call to God in this prayer to lead us, it's not by our own strength that we can do this. But as we follow Christ, we have someone who who we can follow. The writer of Hebrews says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Jesus being fully God was also fully man and as we see was was tempted with the same temptations that we had. So as we are tempted we can look to his example of his perfect holiness that while being tempted he did not sin. That can give us hope. So as we pray this prayer that God would give us our daily bread that as we pray this prayer as as we ask for forgiveness in the way that we have forgiven, as we ask God to lead us into righteousness, it is a prayer that we can do nothing on our own. That the the physical provision that we receive is not from ourselves. That on our own, spiritually, we are empty that daily we are asking Jesus to be our nourishment. And so often it seems like we come on Sundays with our tanks empty because on a daily basis we have not sought after the spiritual nourishment that that Jesus' death and resurrection offer. But I encourage you, That God is a good provider. That not only does He want to provide physically, but even more important than the food and clothing that you have, God wants to give you a spiritual nourishment, not just for this world, but a hope for the world to come. That's that spiritual bread. That we can do nothing on our own, but we trust fully in Christ for our hope for the future. And as we pray that prayer to be forgiven for our debts, let us be reminded of how greatly God has forgiven us and that we cannot repay or even begin to repay Him for our sins. And as we pray that prayer to be led to righteousness, do we realize that The righteousness that we are walking in is not a righteousness that comes from following rules or doing certain things, but it comes in Christ who has lived a perfect life and died for us. So I'm, I'm, I'm broken as I read these words. I think we should be broken as we look at what are we trusting in. Are we trusting in ourselves for our daily provision? But there's also great hope in the provision of God, in the forgiveness of our debts, of our sins. And as we look at this this concept of Jesus teaching us how to pray, as we seek after God for our daily bread, as we forgive others, as we have been forgiven, and as we follow God into righteousness, in doing so, we will see God's kingdom come in Missio Day Church. We will see his, his will be done and His name will be made hallowed. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are a good provider. And Lord, we recognize that so often we are focused on not our daily bread, but our wants for the future, for that next new thing, that next new electronic We are more worried about the future than about today. Lord, we recognize that we don't trust in you fully for the provision that you offer. And Lord, that we come to you so often because of other reasons than the the spiritual nourishment that you provide. Lord, I pray that you would continue to break our hearts in this area and show us the type of provider You are. and Help us put our hope fully in You for the spiritual nourishment. Lord, may we recognize continually how, both how great our debts were, but also, Lord, how greatly You have forgiven. And as we accept the truth of Your Gospel, I pray that it would change our hearts to be willing to forgive others in such a way that You have forgiven us. Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead us into your righteousness, a righteousness that does not come from our flesh, but a righteousness that comes from putting on Christ. Lord, that we would continue to to look to you for our hope and pray that prayer honestly. Amen.